skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is anxious about her anxiety. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Right. We don't know what we're talking about, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Like we read things on the internet and we watch YouTube videos um, and we go to therapy for our own issues and then we regurgitate them, which I'm literally (laughs) going to do today. That's what we're going to talk about today. But Uh um, Sam and I are not professionals. We are not trained in this. So please take our advice as you see fit as like a supplement to your mental health and relationship journey. Mm -hmm. We're only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs about the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Okay, uh, let's get into today's check-in topic because I'm actually really excited to talk about it. Um, It is about and inspired by a personal meltdown a, per, a personal meltdown of mine. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Love it when our check-in topics are inspired by our own neuroses. <laughs> so I'm going to be a little bit brief about this um, because we've we, the check-in topic is kind of connected to our uh, letter. But I, y'all know, 
I'm in the anxiously attached club house, mm-hmm. clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's <laughs> and, fun in there. Everyone's nervous all the time. <laughs> oh my God. We just need you to text us back immediately. Um, and uh, I have been feeling really good about that anxious attachment. I've, I've put a ton in work, a ton of work into it over the last five years since we've made this podcast. Um, it, but out of the blue, really, it felt like out of the blue in my very happy, very secure marriage, I had like what, what I would describe as like a, a an anxiously attached meltdown. <laughs> It, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> it was triggered by really random um, circumstances of our life. And um, I felt I was all of a sudden I was spiraling and I was afraid my wife was going to leave me. I was afraid she was like unhappy with me. This is all stuff sure. that I internalized and didn't actually say out loud to her until like the spiral storm was over until I like clawed my way out of it and was like, uh-huh. get a grip, you um, freak. Um, but I. <laughs> Good, helpful, really kind you, language really, to be mm-hmm. talking to yourself yes, with. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I, once I was like out of it, well, first of all, I got myself out of it by like really submerging myself into anxious attachment style resources out there and um, mm-hmm. on, on how to really approach it. So I was like, in a really nice way, I was co- reconnected to to how I need to treat that attachment. Um, and it was also like really grounding because so many of us, so many of you all write in and like, I'm like, I, you know, you're ashamed of your attachment style. You're ashamed of how your wounds come up in your relationship. And I just want to remind everybody that like, we are inherently flawed. We are not meant to, to get it right all of the time. That is actually impossible, Mm -hmm. particularly because, um, of what, of what our check-in topic is really about is that I've, I've been reading recently about the connection between, our attachment styles and our nervous systems and how we really can't treat one without acknowledging the connectivity of the other, that Mm. my anxious attachment style is so often triggered or exacerbated or, you know, I, I feel, it feels so physical to me. It feels like these surges of, you know, physical fear, anxiety, anger, jealousy, all these big emotions. And my nervous system is telling me there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. And um, I have to really, I have to, I have to parent myself out of that physical parent. Excuse me. I have to parent myself out of that physical sensation in order to then fully access like my intellectual brain, (laughs) you know, my, my, my adult thoughts, you know, for sure. For sure. Anyway, this is kind of all over the place um, because there are lots of things that I want to talk about, about attachment styles, but I'm going to save it for the letter. But the check-in topic is ultimately about um, the connection with your attachment style and your nervous system, your body, and like how to, how do we deal with that, with the overlap of those two things? How do we approach them differently and with compassion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, I think part of it is about like triage in terms of like, how do you, um, how do you like handle when that kind of stuff is coming up, which is that like, often we think that the, the solution to the problem is to like fix what may have triggered us, right? Like an external thing, like some sort of like rational be like, Oh, I just need to get back to rationality. 
But like, I think often the thing is like, our bodies need tending first, yeah, <laughs> right? And like, totally. as as people uh, who are like very good at like ignoring what our bodies are doing or telling us, right? Like, it can be really hard to be like, oh, what I actually need to do right now is like put my feet on the ground and start breathing, <laughs> right? right? Like that is actually the thing that's gonna like calm my body because my body is the thing that's actually in high alert right now. Like often, at least for me, it's like, no, my brain can rationally right. like list all the reasons why this, this anxiety that I'm feeling is irrational, but that's not actually addressing the problem, which is the idea that like my body needs tending to, I need to like do the things that I know how to do to get my body back into a state where it's not on high alert. So then so I can, can actually access. look at those rational things right. and say like, mm-hmm. I believe this now, right? Yeah. I wasn't I, I because my- in this spiral that I was having, because it was because it has been so long since I had some sort of like intense anxiety spiral, especially mm-hmm. a, a, like we're talking specifically attachment. Specifically, I was like, oh my god, I was hyper vigilantly watching the way my wife's body language was, <laughs> and she was like, mm-hmm. she had no. You know what the amazing thing is? Us no idea anxiously attached people. She had no <laughs> fucking clue what was happening or. Or that I was going through something because she was just like happily living her life, still in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> in love with you the whole time from start love to finish. Love me the whole time. Even, not even, she said there wasn't even a glimpse of anything I was worried about. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just like hypervigilantly watching her body language, all of these things. Um, I remember pacing around and being like, I am crazy. I am losing my mind because I knew... I couldn't, my body felt so tense. It felt so uh, wound up that I couldn't access. I had to like talk myself out of it physically. To Sam's point, I probably should have done it in like a kinder, more compassionate, more mindful way. Um, (laughs) Instead of being like, get a grip, you freak. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, But that worked, just to tell you. (laughs) I got a grip. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) what I'm trying to say is like, I know you anxiously attached cuties out there that deal with with like physical anxiety are out there and and are like, listen, I cannot tell my fear to like take in a deep breath and hold it for three seconds. Like that's not going to work, but it actually does because it's not your breathing isn't going to, you know, make them text you back any faster. Your breathing is going to help you physically access your coping tools because once you become f- more physically regulated, you're you're more mentally in control. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I, I've always been like Ugh, meditation or Ugh, f- breathing exercises that will never help dumb. me. I will take mm-hmm. them. <laughs> to, I will I will go to the grave never breathing. <laughs> I know, and then and then I do the stupid breathing thing. And I'm like, I know, oh, and you're fuck, like, I, feel I do actually feel better. <laughs> Crap. But I, I think that's what it was, is that I didn't realize that it's not, that's not going to fix your anxious attachment style or your, in, or, or the problem in your relationship that's triggering it. It's just going mm-hmm. to level you so that you have access to your other tools. Cause you got more yep. tools other than just fucking physically freaking the fuck out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the other thing that I, again, the other thing that I do, and my therapist and I talked about this really recently, actually, cause I was having like a lot of anxiety, um, and and I was sort of telling him about like what I do in those instances, which is try and like rationally talk to myself, like this thing that you're afraid of isn't happening or like whatever yeah. it is, like this, this is the reason why. And he's like, when a child is having a tantrum, you don't 
rationalize yeah. with them, right? Uh-uh. Like you, you pick the child up and you carry it and you say, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're feeling so scared. Like, it's okay. You're safe. You're safe. You're here with me. Yeah. Like I have you. And he was like, you can get to the rational part where you argue with yourself and get to the conclusion that you're hoping to get to. Yeah. But you can't do that when you're, when the, the child inside of you or like the part of you that's most tender is having a fucking tantrum. You 100%, need to like 100%. take care yep. of that. Right. So like one of the things that I've been trying to do is to like, just remind myself I'm safe. Right. Like when I'm in that really like anxious state, just being like, like putting my hands on my heart and being like, you're safe. Right. Like you're in your, your home. Right. Like you are mm-hmm. surrounded by people you love They're Right. Like just trying to like put myself back into a place where it's like, I'm not in um, immediate danger of in any right. way, which is what my right. body is tell- telling me, right? right? My body is like, we're going to die if we don't do something about yeah. this, right? So being like, we're safe, we're safe, like, and holding myself in that way is also has been really helpful for me. And I, I appreciate that my therapist like really called me out because he doesn't do that very often, but he was just like, this is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you, like, what are you doing? That's, <laughs> I, that's cute. Uh, I, the only times I want to call you out is when you're being, when you deny the existence of your inner child. You know, mm-hmm. because you're so used to like being the capable one that has to figure it out. And I'm like, there's a little, there's a little <laughs> Sam in you that needs to That's be real. like advocated for as much as you need to like be able to fix everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Sierra and I have spent a lot of time together in person recently. So she has like a very deep insight into me in this moment. Oh, and I find yeah. it deeply challenging. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That you think it's because we just spent the last five to get days together and not the fact that I've known you for fucking 15 years. <laughs> no, you, I let you into the inner sanctum too much and now I got to put the walls back up. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. Our letter is from anxious AF. Please help. <laughs> I love that the ask for help is, is right at the start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who's writing to us? Nope. Whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing to us from the big fucking apple. I know I'm not the first to write in about this topic, but I feel like I have nowhere else to turn. I have had therapy in the past and I know that I need to get back into it, but haven't been able to lately due to various circumstances, i.e. money, availability, and just not meshing with the last few therapists I've tried. One told me I was just upset because I was on my period. This was a man and would end sessions early if I wasn't opening up rather than helping me feel comfortable enough to in order to do so. That being said, I know therapy needs to be a priority and I'm working on getting there. In the meantime, I'm spiraling due to the anxiously attached abyss and self-destructing my relationship on the way. My partner, he, him, 26, I guess we'll call him Dave, and I, she, her, 27, have been dating for a little over a year. I literally could never have imagined a more loving and stable partner. Our relationship started in the midst of one of the most challenging moments of my life as my dad had recently been diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis and every day just felt like waiting for him to pass. He received a double lung transplant back in September, which was absolutely miraculous and he was healing extremely well. However, unfortunately, a few months later, he passed very suddenly and very unexpectedly of a cardiac arrest on his way to pick up lunch uh, for he and my mom. Right 
right after his most recent doctor's visit where they told him he would no longer need to stay long-term near the hospital and could officially move home for the holidays and beyond. This was Mm. absolutely earth-shattering, and my partner was so, so wonderful and supportive and continued to be since my dad passed in December. Dave travels very frequently for work and is definitely a workaholic. The biggest challenge I have felt in our relationship is feeling like I'm not prioritized and that I will always come second to his job. At first, I rationalized this because our relationship was still quite young, but it is clear that we both have intentions of being together long term and have frequent discussions of marriage and building a family together. We recently moved in. That could be a whole other letter, but ultimately it was good and has been a positive change. But now that we're a bit further into our relationship and talking about these major things, it's starting to panic me a little bit more. For example, when my dad passed, Dave was on a work trip. In this instance, he was amazing and his job was beyond accommodating and flew him home for the night so that he could be with me in the direct aftermath. He, of course, had to return to work before I was able to and was on a different job for a different freelance gig, not his actual job who understood the situation, and felt that he couldn't ask to take the time off to come to the funeral, which was about a week later. I ended up sobbing on the phone, practically begging him to come to my dad's funeral and internally feeling really conflicted that maybe I was asking way too much of him and also thinking, my dad just fucking died. Missing two days of work is more important than you being here for his funeral. It was a really confusing place and ultimately I just felt selfish and unreasonable and guilty for the fact that he did end up coming, but he came in and out and drove five hours both ways just to stay for the two hours of the service. Just this past weekend, I went on a bachelorette trip with a bunch of girlfriends from childhood that I had a lot of anxiety about for a couple random reasons. One being that the week following this trip, Dave has a work trip. And then this upcoming weekend, I have to go home and help move my mom out of my childhood home of 27 years, which Dave is unable to help with because once he's back from his work trip, he's going home to celebrate Father's Day with his family. We were all joking about what the TV sitcom version of this weekend would look like and joking about whose everyone's character would be. At one point, one of the girls came up to me and asked if I wanted to hear a secret. And she was like, your character would actually be the one who's on the phone with her boyfriend too much. This really stung, but also made me feel really, really guilty. I, when I got home, Dave also brought up to me that he felt worried because I spent so much of the time talking to him throughout the trip. And I guess I didn't realize how much I was doing it because I thought I was making a very conservative effort to be as engaged as I could, given the fact that I ultimately didn't want to be there. I ended up just a mess of tears Because through the discussion we were having, I ultimately just felt like my deepest, darkest character flaw was being hung out on display. And I feel totally embarrassed and like I don't have any way of fixing it. Mm. I know... I know that my severe anxious attachment makes all of this feel 10 times worse than it actually is, but I get so upset by the fact that when we're together, he answers any work emails or texts that come in immediately. But when he's away on a work trip or something, he barely reaches out. I understand that his work trips are really intense and are often like 10 plus hour days of nonstop work. But I don't understand why he can't spare like a minute, even when he's like pooping or something to shoot me a quick. Hi, baby. I had a really insane day today, but I want you to know that I love you and miss you. Text. 
At the same time, I feel really anxious about reaching out myself because one, I don't want to seem needy and overbearing. And two, I feel like he only reaches out if I do first, which makes me feel even worse about the fact that he didn't reach out in the first place. I know I'm a mess and a, and a problem. I left out a lot about how genuinely incredible my partner is and the fact that he's generally very receptive and emotionally available and I couldn't be more in love. I guess my main question is just how do I self-soothe in these moments that are going to continue throughout our relationship and do I have the right to ask for a little more from him or is it up to me to fight my way through all of this anxiety and stop creating the problems where they don't need to exist? If you're able to answer this letter, I'd be so grateful. And even if you're not able to, I'm still grateful for all the work that you do and the amazing advice I've been able to apply to my own life from everyone else's letters and your beautiful and empathetic responses to them. You are such a foundational part of my life at this point. Thank you for all that you do. And congrats on the book, Sierra. I can't wait to get my copy <laughs> in the mail. Sincerely, Anxious AF. All right. Anxious AF. Thank you so much for writing to us. And, you know, I can, I can see and feel the anxiety that you're feeling from the pages of this letter. Um, and the ways in which your, your anxious mind is making connections and bringing all of these different things into it. Um, and we're going to talk about that and how to, to do some of that self-soothing or how to maybe, um, put some perspective into some of this, uh, but before we do that, I also just want to say that I am so sorry that your dad died. Um, I'm so sorry that it was in a moment that felt like uh, so optimistic, that felt like you were out of the woods and then to have this unexpectedly happen. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine how devastating that is for you. And and it's so recent, you know, it's, it, it's six months ago. That is such a little amount of time in the world of grief, um, especially losing someone so important to you, a parent, a sibling, an aunt or uncle, whatever it is uh, in terms of people who are close to us. But I'm so sorry that, that all of that is happening. And, and, and it is no wonder to me that you're feeling so unmoored in this moment where it feels like you can't trust anything and everything is up in the air and people around you just aren't getting how deeply anxious and sad and frustrated and all of those different things you're feeling in this moment because they don't because they're not going through what you're going through. So I'm so sorry that this happened. Um, and I want to, I want to just hold you in the reality of how difficult the situation is for you in this moment. So we're here with you. Um, and we're going to hopefully offer you some love and support and, and maybe a little outside perspective to hopefully make some of this a little bit easier to see clearly. But before we do that, we are going to take a little break. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says Quince. 
You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, my darling. Welcome to the worst club. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The anxiously attached club. It's not the worst club. Oh, I thought you were going like, to say the dead's dad, the dead dad's club. Yeah, well, I'm not a part of that club, so I felt like I couldn't speak to that. You club. couldn't welcome. Okay, Thank well, you. I'll say anxious. I'll be an welcome honorary to the dead dad member. Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are in a mood today. We really <laughs> and are. I love it. Uh, okay. Anyway, my darling, anxious AF. Um, I echo all of Sam's sentiments about the the wildly challenging and and truly impossible, impossibly sad um, year you're having. I just want to say, you know, one of the things that triggers an anxious attachment 
the most, like in adulthood, is like destabilizing circumstances, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so much of an anxious attachment style is the vigilance um of 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 your nervous system of your of your heart to be like oh my god they're gonna leave me or oh my god do i need to perform right now in order to secure this love you know what do i need to do so that they don't leave me you know this anxiety comes from this this fear that you have to be hyper vigilant all all the time to do things right in order to earn love and i can't imagine what that type of loss of your father in that moment of peace, how mm-hmm. much that activated in ways that you probably aren't fully even connected to yet. How, yep. you know, to feel, to go from a place of safety, what perceived safety to have something really yep. tragic happen to you. Like that, that's just like anxious attachment fodder that they, you know, oh, that, sure. that, it, that an anxious attachment style could like feast off of. So mm-hmm. give yourself some compassion like Sam said too, you know, grief makes an animal out of all of us and you are only six months into this journey. Um, give yourself some love and compassion for the fact that like you, you might not be working with all of your tools right now because mm-hmm. sometimes we get stripped of our best selves when we're going through things that are impossibly difficult. Um, Absolutely. That, you know, that acknowledgement aside, all of this letter is so relatable to me. And if I have one goal in this response, it is to make you realize that you are not the most anxiously fucked up person in the world. And that my my heart totally relates to this fear. My heart have my my heart has done this dance. I have I have you know negotiated when and how people text me. I have been disconnected at a social gathering because I, because I feel anxious about being there in the first place, but I also want the affirmation from my, from somebody who's not there. You know, Mm -hmm, I have, mm -hmm. I have been the person who's like been on their phone too much or called their partner too much. You know, um, all of this is so, so relatable. And why I wanted to share about this like recent spiral I had is because I, I I know I know we share way too much on this show for any of you all to think that we are like perfect or healed or anything. <laughs> Definitely but <I> think, not. <laughs> yeah, not here. <laughs> but I, I I think it's important to recognize that you can be that this stuff comes up despite where you are in life or despite how much you talk about attachment styles. Like this attachments anxious attachment like spiral I'll call it that that I went on a month ago it felt like it came out of nowhere and it felt like the most like you described it the most unhealed you know secret worst parts of me like were popping up and being like I'm still here I'm here you know no matter how many books you read no matter how much you talk about this on your podcast like I'm still here this dirty secret of myself um and I I think it's helpful to to remind people that um, that it's not a bad thing to be anxiously attached. It's not a character flaw. It's not um, a sign of your brokenness. It's just part of how you were made. Part of part of how you came to identify with the world. All of which you had no control over. No control over whatsoever. Um, I. When I was in this spiral, I got myself out of it by literally like Googling this fucking, 
this fucking bitch, and I'm talking about myself. <laughs> She's pointing this at herself if you can't see it. Relationship <laughs> advice podcast host was yeah, like yeah, yeah. in a spiral, and I'm in the bathroom somewhere. And I Googled how to heal an anxious attachment style, like, because I needed somebody to talk to me. I needed, (laughs) I needed someone to like therapize me or whatever. Um, And Uh I ended up stumbling. Someone on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. I, well, I just needed it. Going back to the check-in topic, I I recognized that my body was so heightened that I needed somebody to talk to me so that I, I wouldn't be mean to myself or act out or whatever. So I Googled something and, and I fell upon this therapist. I'll probably be my blind date next week. So (laughs) great. Can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I, I fell upon a therapist talking about anxious attachment styles and she really focused on one, the connection of your nervous system, your physical response to this, this, your anxiety, um, with your anxious attachment style, and two, um, your your core relationships from your childhood, whether it's your parents or your caregivers or or whatnot. Um, typically, she said the type of parental or caregiving relationship that forms an anxious attachment style in a child is called like an outside inside relationship where Hmm. you are taught because of the dynamics of your parents or your caregivers or, or those core relationships of that time to perceive, to check the temperature of the outside relationships first before Mm -hmm. checking with yourself. So it's like, how do I feel? I don't know how I feel. I'm going to, I'm going to read the room. You know, in my case, I'm going to scan how my, you know, at the time alcoholic father was acting, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to perceive if, if I was in what my mood was, well, what are my dad's needs first? What are my father's or my mother's or my grandparents or whoever's needs? Um, First, in order to perceive how I feel, if that parental figure is in a good mood and they're showing me love and affection, I know that I am safe enough to feel love and good and good about myself and be like, okay, this is what I need. I need them to feel good about me, you know? Um, And that's where we first learned hypervigilance. That's where we first learned how to scrutinize the behaviors of our loved ones and by scrutinize, I mean, we are like, we're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to see a, if there's any hint of a crack, like if they're, oh my God, they're, they turned their body away from us or they didn't make eye contact when they said, I love you. Does that mean they're going to leave us? And, mm-hmm. you know, looking for, looking for places where it's going to go wrong, but also looking the hypervigilance for me is like, I always feel like I have to earn people's love. Like I have to, sure. I have to be proactive. I have to be what they need me to be at this. Again, this outside inside, how can I be lovable? It's I, I have to do what's needed outside. Yep. So I'm always hypervigilantly looking for places in which I can prove my lovability. And I know, you know, this uh, anxious AF, but like that hypervigilance is exhausting and almost rarely right. And when it is mm-hmm. right, I was joking with Sam about this earlier. Like I always thought I had like intuition. I always thought like I could read people really well, but it's really just because I like one out of 10 of my hypervigilant, you know, observations that are like, oh, I should do this or this person needs that or whatever. One out of 10 of them will be right. And the other ones I yep. just forget about. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure, for but sure. But it's exhausting. Um, it's exhausting. And, and 
and just bringing it back to the letter for one second, like, I know it's really activating that your boyfriend doesn't text you back right away or doesn't text you while he's busy at work. But, but the, and you, and you're allowed to ask for more from him. We're going to talk, we're going to get into that later. But I want to say from one anxious attachment to another, that doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means. We're looking Mm. for, we're, we're trying to prescribe a meaning to it because it makes us feel uncomfortable and afraid when he doesn't text you all day. Our brains tell us that that means he doesn't love us. And it, it might not mean that it might just mean Mm -hmm. he has a different relationship with his phone than you do. It might mean that he is actually busy and part of the anxiously attached work to unpack it all is to say is to learn how to tolerate reality when we are physically activated in our attachment style. Like when, when he doesn't text you all day and you start thinking about it and your nervous system gets all activated We have to learn how to deal with the surges of fear and surges of jealousy or surges of, oh my God, I need to protect myself and, and tolerate that discomfort and tolerate the reality that they may just be busy or they might, this doesn't mean what we think it means. Like my wife moving her body away from the direction of me in the deepest, I'm so ashamed. I'm deeply so ashamed to admit this, but I think it's important to like (laughs) vocalize this. There's nothing we were talking about this. we were talking and i was looking down and she turned her fucking feet in away from me like to the side because she was oh, like sure. pacing. and you were like us weekly body language reading being like oh this couple's breaking up because their feet are facing apart from each other i <laughs> was like this is the beginning of the end like how much did the, how much does the, the divorce end, cost? But this is the marker. Yeah. What is it going to be like to be a divorce? You know, <laughs> no problem with divorce. I just meant like, and at that moment when I was like calculating the the fucking angle that her feet moved away from me and like doing a weird mathematical pro, uh, you know equation of how much time we had left in this relationship and how I could save it is when I realized <laughs> I was doing too much. It's when I realized I had lost control of what I knew to be real and that I needed to physically soothe my body so that I could access uh, my tools again, really, you know? Which is great. <laughs> yeah, That's and I did like- that. I did it. I accessed those tools. <laughs> yeah, they're absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's the work, right? It's not to yeah. not have the irrational thoughts or fears or things that activate us. It's about like, when we notice that it's happening, how do we get back to a place where we can like support ourselves in what we know to actually be true and not just what our anxious little hearts and brains are telling us like that. I know that you're deeply ashamed that you had this thought, but like, there's nothing shameful about having a thought. <laughs> like there's, you know, like it's, there's something shameful about that thought being triggering if we're, yeah. you know, even if we can't regulate ourselves, right? Like there's still nothing shameful about that. Right. Yeah. Like, but and like I do how have to say that part of it, part of our attachment style to anxious AF is recognizing, like Sam said, we're always going to feel those thoughts. It's learning how to, truly become comfortable with those surges of fear and panic and anxious. Like, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry to my community. Anxious, anxiously attached people. We're always going to be anxious. (laughs) Like it's It's, it's it's not, you're not going to read attached and all be like, Oh cool. I'm not anxious anymore. I'm secure. Cause it's literally not what attached says. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even in my most secure relationship, one that I feel so um, safe in, I feel so safe in my marriage. 
man, a couple of mitigating search circumstances, and all of a sudden I'm I'm using like a fucking what is the the ruler that measure, measures angles? <laughs> a pro protractor? Yeah, I'm using a protractor to, to measure <laughs> the distance that my wife turned away from me and being like, oh my god, she got a. Uh. That's, that's wild. That is wild. Um, I felt yes, batshit. Let me just tell you, yeah. I felt batshit out of control. Just proof it can happen to anybody. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And so I think all of that is 100% true. And I also just want to layer on here the fact that your dad just died. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, died yeah. unexpectedly in a way that was really traumatic. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he's fine. He's fine. We're finally out of the woods. And then, oh, no, he's not fine for a reason that I that is so unpredictable. Right. It's like it wasn't the disease he was struggling with that that was like the like okay this is what's going to happen it was random right it was like he was going to buy lunch and this is what happened yes and and like i just want to name like that's traumatic that is yep. that is a thing that is going to land in our bodies and and mess a bunch of stuff up right like that is what trauma does is it like we can't integrate it into our understanding of the world and so it just sits there mm -hmm. and we we like try and build entire worlds around it to keep it from like coming into our bodies or like it's somehow being part of us because we're afraid of what it's going to do and in trauma right like one of the therapeutic practices or concepts that that people talk about in trauma is that we have this like window of tolerance right which is like this place where we can sort of sit in uncomfortable emotions and be like, okay, yep, this is fine. I'm feeling nervous, but nervous is a fine thing to feel. And it makes sense because this is what's happening or I'm feeling really sad right now. But like, absolutely. People feel sad sometimes. I've been here before and I know I'll get through it and, and I'm going to take care of myself, right? We're kind of in this window mm -hmm. where it's like, yep, this is all manageable. And then on the other side, like at the top and bottom of that, there's either like hypervigilance where we're like, ah, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like everything is going wrong. Or there's like what they call hypo arousal, which is like, I'm totally checked out. I'm not paying attention. I'm looking at my phone. I'm not engaging in the social situations. And what trauma does is it narrows that window of tolerance, right? Yeah. And so everything becomes harder to manage because everything feels like either a crisis or something that we just, we need to step away from. So like the fact that you were at this bachelorette party and wanted to totally disengage with everything is deeply familiar to me, yes. right? Like yeah. that feeling of being like, I don't want to talk to anyone about anything. And I feel so disconnected from people. They're saying shitty things to me. And it's like, you're on your phone too much. It's like, yeah, fuck you. My dad just died. Right. Like I, I just, yep. I understand that that person was trying to make a joke and was trying to maybe be lighthearted, but I'm also like deeply mad at them for doing that. I don't, I, I'm, I don't like that person right now. And, and the same thing where it's like, oh my goodness, of course your traumatic little heart is being triggered by all this anxious attachment stuff that's coming up, right? And so like maybe in June of last year, your window for tolerance was much higher. You could handle some of this like anxious attachment stuff coming up for you. You could get to a place where you're like, ah, yes, I can self-soothe knowing because I know these things about myself, right? Like, and But in this moment when when this trauma is like impacting you so deeply, it's so much harder to do that stuff. And, and it can be really, we can be so hard on ourselves being like a year ago, this would not have been this bad. Why is my anxious attachment style coming up so much? Why am I so freaked out about this? Why do I suddenly get so mad at everyone around me? And it's like, yeah, cause your body, your heart 
don't know what to do with this horrible, horrible thing that's happened to you. That doesn't make any sense. That feels like if I can just make sense of it, if I can just control everything, if I, if I can control my boyfriend in a way that I know where he is at all times, then that means he will always love me and he will never stop loving me. And also he probably won't die unexpectedly, right? right? Like that's what our little hearts are telling us. And that's absolutely not true, but it feels so fucking true. Yes. And it's the only thing that our scared little children inside of us have to grasp onto, to help us make sense of like this horrible, horrible thing that has happened. Yeah. So like, I just want to say that to say like, of course, of course, of course, all of this stuff is coming up. It's rearing its ugly head, right? Like this is a, this is a really, really challenging time for you. Not just because you're like a dumb person who has a stupid attachment style, (laughs) but because like, oh my God, you've been through something horrible. And of course the things that are, that you've been working on or the things that have caused you stress before are going to be that much harder to deal with. Right. Like, so I think that what's going to be important for you or what, what I think that might be helpful for you is to also spend some time with a therapist talking about what that trauma was like for you, what you learned about that trauma and what it's telling you about the world. Cause I know that mine was telling me lots of things that were not true and that were causing me a shit ton of anxiety, a lot of anger, a lot of sadness, right? Like this idea that I had to control everything so that this terrible thing that happened to me will never happen to me or anyone else ever again. Right. And I know that that, I think that maybe some of this anxiety around what's happening in your relationship is kind of a, a distraction from what I think is maybe at the core of this, which is about how are you getting to a place where you can sit in more understanding of the world as random, as outside of our control, as, um, as also beautiful and wonderful and complicated. And how can we get at some of these stories that you might be telling yourself around what happened to your dad and why it happened and what it means about the world and you and, and whether or not you're lovable or whether or not you are capable of maintaining friendships with people or whatever, whatever terrible stories that this horrible, horrible experience has taught you. And so as you're thinking about getting back into therapy, I want you to really think about what happened with your dad as trauma and as something that you need support and, and help with because it is, it's not necessarily something you can handle on your own. And it's not something necessarily that you need to handle on your own. There are, there are resources out there that are going to be helpful for you in thinking about how to, how to take care of yourself in what is a terrible, terrible time for you. Yeah. And and I want to, I want to like continue that idea from the anxious attached perspective is that like, I think for me, one of the most empowering things I've done is recognizing that my anxious attachment style is one of the oldest parts of, about me. And it mm. is it is one of the loudest voices in my body that's most often incorrect. Um, but your attachment style is formed because you you're at a very, very young age, you're trying to figure out how to feel safe and how to feel loved. And I feel a lot of... Um, you know, anxiety in this letter about like, oh my God, I asked my boyfriend to come to this and I felt really bad about it. Or this person at the party made a comment about me being checked out and I felt really bad about it. You know, there, Mm -hmm. there's, it's like 
And a lot of times with an anxious attachment style, you can't win because you can't ask for what you want and not feel shitty about it. But then if you sit there in silence and suffer, you're feeling really anxious because you're hypervigilantly looking for all of the ways in which people don't love you or ways in which you could do better or ways in which you're being a hassle or burden, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I just want to say, in addition to what Sam said about this being a huge trauma that's going to fundamentally change the way you and your body associate with the world. Your attachment style is a part of you and it's a beautiful, complicated part of you. And somewhere in your story, you learned that you needed to perform for safety and love somewhere in your story. Even the, even the best, most supportive parents can leave us with an attachment style that is deeply da- damaging and confusing. And mm-hmm. I think I know from I, to speak for myself, like it's been really hard to walk around for 37 years of my life, tr- always trying to gauge the temperature outside of me and my body for what I need and what I need to do to feel safe. Because guess yep. what? I never find it 100% of the time. <laughs> I never find what I need externally. And that is the mm-hmm. only place I've been. I've That's the only place I've learned how to look and it's very it's very destabilizing to try to change your relationship to outside stimuli or outside affirmation and look inward so like in addition to this huge loss that you've experienced and this huge boatload of grief that you're going to unpack in whatever way over the next decade you know um yep in addition to that, like it's really hard work. It's not just a meme about your action, your attachment style. That's what I'm trying to get <laughs> yeah. at. Is that like I feel like attachment styles have been Instagram bowl. <laughs> they become uh, yeah, in, sure. they become Absolutely. like Instagram slides. And really, it's like our deepest wounds <laughs> and our deepest understanding of our value and how to be loved and valued and 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 whatnot. Like the way you talk about. Um, feeling called out and feeling like the the worst part of you, your deepest, darkest character flaw is what you said. And I just mm-hmm. want to say it's not. It's not it's mm-hmm. not your deepest, darkest character flaw. Um, it's it's common, it's understandable, it's mm-hmm. natural, and it's also manageable. You and I can learn how to navigate this attachment style. It is not the it is not a and all be all of us. It is just part of our story. Um, yep. And you deserve to, you know, to have your needs. Oh, let me just say this. Like if I, if I had a partner that would go away for work for 10 hours a day, a day and I couldn't access them, that would be very challenging for me. Right. For sure. It's okay that you're challenged by this. It doesn't mean that you're like hard to love or hard yep. to be with. That would be challenging for a lot of people. Yep. And I, and I also think that like seeking out, support from other people isn't a bad thing, right? Right. Like, you know, the idea of you were in a situation, like a social situation where your dad had recently died and you were like, I just need to talk to somebody who I can trust and that can make me feel seen. Like that doesn't, that's not a problem to me. Right. And I think that again, folks with anxious attachment style pathologize their need for other people as like being inherently bad. It's not like, it's okay that you Mm -hmm. were seeking out somebody to offer you comfort because you need comfort right now, right? Like you are, this is a really difficult time for you. And of course we can overdo it. That's absolutely right. But I do want to say that like looking for 
connection, looking for support from others is part of a human experience, right? It is not just anxiously attached people who need love from other people. We all do that. We are, we are social creatures. And so it's okay for you to say like, I'm having a really tough time at this bachelorette party because I'm around people who don't understand, don't get it, are like being weird to me. I just need to talk to someone who I can trust and love. Like, yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And and so it's not a deep, dark secret. It's a really understandable way that you're trying to handle and process through this grief. It's a really understandable way that you're trying to self-soothe given the attachment style that you do have. So like, I want to I wanna like create space for that and say that like, reaching out to your partner first isn't a bad thing, right? Like right. it's not, it's okay for you to do that because right. like this is also a pattern that you seem to have in your relationship. So maybe he's waiting for you to reach out first as a reminder to like reach out or like, you know, there's like, there's lots of different reasons why this might be happening that aren't about like you are anxious and pathetic and like need validation and he's away from you and perfect and and will never give you what you need. But instead just the idea of like, the relationship habit you have right now is that you text first and he responds. Not a bad, not a bad relationship habit. Like there's nothing inherently bad about that. So like, how do you also quiet some of the anxiety about some of this anxious attachment style as well to say like, this is an okay way for us to be operating through the world. And if I need something different, it's okay for me to ask for it. It's okay for me to say, Hey, I'm noticing that I'm the one that texts first all the time. Would love it if you could initiate some conversation as well, right? Like that's not an unreasonable thing to want. Anxiously attached people might think that it's unreasonable and that it's like their their pathetic little their pathetic little pathology or whatever, but it's like nope, that's that's a reasonable request to make in terms of like changing the way that our relationship functions. Like that makes a, a ton of sense to me. All right, my darling. We obviously believe in you and believe that you deserve support and encouragement and love. And you also are resilient and capable. I do truly hope that you seek out um, like a a professional um, in the therapy realm, because now is an amazing time to lean on someone who, whose job it is to help us through the hardest parts of life. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that therapy has been a huge, huge help for Sam in his grief. And it's been a huge help for me in understanding my attachment style and understand what makes me the way that I am and why it's not a burden, but a gift to explore. Uh, the, mm. This discomfort is a gift. Um, mostly we just hope you feel a little bit loved and a little bit um, more held. And we hope this helps. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for listening and for asking us this really important question. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You, If you want more content from us, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as episodes without ads. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your question about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mic our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice.
Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music and podcasts. And remember, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be an imperfect self, to show up to something not as your best. It's okay to to need more. It's okay to get it wrong. None of us are perfect. None of us have a manual on how to do this well all the time. We are inherently flawed, so we are inherently imperfect in the ways we show up in our relationships. And that's okay. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>